0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. He overcame and he broke the authority of the enemy because the only thing that holds us into the place of not being able to believe or to receive the truth of our calling is the lie of the enemy. And so Jesus broke that at the cross, and the Bible says something amazing took place is that God actually, the Holy Spirit actually rose him from the dead and seated him, established him in a place of authority at the right hand of the Father, and then did something powerful and amazing, is that he took all of the principalities and powers, and these are words that we learned last week, and if you missed it last week, just grab the podcast at your own convenience. These words, all they are, are just terms for the enemy, Satan's authority, that exists on the realm of this earth, And God placed those things, the enemy's authority, under the feet of Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians says something else that I want you guys all to memorize and to learn in Ephesians 2.16. It says this, that God has seated us with Christ Jesus in heavenly realms. So what this means is this, because Jesus is over any kind of lie of the enemy, any kind of authority the enemy might have on this earth, If we've come into Christ Jesus, we too are over that, meaning that it has been disarmed in our behalf. And so Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 6, understanding this truth is important, but we also have to gird ourselves up because in this earth we live in a place of conflict. We still see things that sometimes we struggle to understand. We still see unkindness, and we still see acts of violence and injustice. We still have to tangle with the reality of death in our life and the things that oppose our life on this earth, things that stand as obstacles in the way of our future and our calling. And so Paul says, listen, the only way that you're going to live in the realm of understanding that you've been seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places is by taking on the armor that Jesus has given you you. And so each one of the pieces of the armor, the full armor of God that are listed in Ephesians 6 are super significant to help us to continue to walk in our calling no matter what we face on this earth. So as we break this down we're going to see that and today I believe this. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. Specifically is to disarm the lies of the enemy that have stood in contradiction to your future to your future the enemy understands that he's defeated And the only thing that he can do is to toss out a lie concerning your future that that lobs fear into your future to say, you're not going to do what God's called you to do. There's an obstacle too big to do what God's called you to do. Something's going to cut you short. There's not going to be enough resource, enough time, whatever it is. He tries to throw fear out there to get you to bite onto it that cuts your future short. Now, Philippians 1.16 says something entirely different. It says that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the coming of Christ Jesus. And so we have to understand this, that part of what the belt of truth does is puts us in line with the authority of the Word of God that protects our future. It protects our future. And so we're going to look at this today, okay? Now, one of the things, the significant things I want to just dive into um, before we just jump into Ephesians 6 is this. When we talk about spiritual warfare and the importance of living on this earth in a manner that we are pursuing our calling, it is very significant to the truth of who Jesus Christ is on this earth. Now, you need to understand this. I don't, really, you need to understand this. This is an important theological truth is that in Matthew, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he was inviting us into a position of understanding that even though the authority of this world temporarily has been handed over to the enemy, meaning that simply the easiest way to understand this is because we are all living within the cycle of life and death, That there is an authority, a real authority that the enemy has. But Jesus invited us up to a higher place of understanding. There will be a day, and I need you to hear me on this, please, because this is partially where you anchor your hope at. There will be a day where Jesus wraps this whole thing up. This is loose eschatology. He wraps this whole thing up. He comes down. He silences the works of the enemy. He casts them forever into a place where they are completely destroyed, and then he takes up and creates a new heaven and a new earth. On that day, on that day, his authority will legitimately be back on the earth. But until that day, Jesus has chosen to do something as powerful as that day, which, which is to place his authority in you to be manifest on the earth until that time. His authority is no less real, no less greater than the day where he will have a throne here on this earth and rule and reign on this earth again, like it was back at creation. It is the same authority, but instead of it being a throne that is on this earth, it is a throne that is in your heart. And you have to understand it. And this is what Paul is bringing out by understanding the full armor of God. I want to read a messianic psalm to you. In Psalm chapter 2, this is one of my favorites, let me read this, Psalm 2, 1 through 8, it says, why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one, capital O, one, enthroned in heaven's laughs. And the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He has said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Ask me and I will give the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possessions." I need you to see something very quickly and why this is a messianic psalm. Because this speaks of Jesus and His authority where He is right now. The author here saw into the future prophetically and he said there will be a day where Jesus is seated in heaven. And on that day there will be things raging on this earth. There will be kings. And all these words mean kings and peoples are just people who are influenced by Principalities and powers, these things that are constructed of the enemy and they're raging. And don't we see that today? Just stop and think for a second. When you look at what's happening in other parts of the earth, when you look at what's happening in North Korea, when you look at what's happening in parts of the Middle East, when you look at what's happening in Africa, when you even look at what's happening in our own country, don't you ever scratch your head and say, What's going on? Where is this coming from? What's taking place here? Well, Psalm chapter 2 actually speaks about that, but it says something more important than trying to understand the conflict that exists on this earth. It says this, that the one who sits in the heavens actually laughs. He's laughing. Jesus is laughing right now because the ultimate authority in that day, the day to come, has been given to him, and he understands it but here is what it says concerning you and what you need to pay attention to and why you need to pursue your calling in full force no matter what stands in your way. And it's this, is that God looks at Jesus and he says, do you see down there, Jesus? Yeah. Do you see the nations? Yes, Father. Ask me And I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Do you understand that every time you walk in obedience to your calling, you are fulfilling Psalm chapter 2 because you are the inheritance of God on the earth. And as you walk in your calling and as you testify about who Jesus is and as you show the love of Jesus and the peace of Jesus on this earth and other people's eyes, they're opened up, their hearts are opened up and they receive Jesus and the work of the cross. What's taking place is that the inheritance of Jesus is growing on the earth and it only testifies to the truth that is to come. And you get to be a part of it. You and I get to be a part of this wonderful thing. So why then do we even spend a half a second concerned with any kind of opposition that stands in the way of our calling? Paul talks about this. Let's read this here. Ephesians 6. Again, I'm going to bite off a chunk here. Just pay attention. Maybe highlight it in your app or in your Bible. Write it down. Ephesians 6. 10 through 18. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities and the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Just a little bit of bite into last week. All those terms that we just read right here. When we talked about rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world, they're used five times in the New Testament and all they do is refer to the enemy's authority that Jesus defeated. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Here's what I I want you to see first, because we're just going to take a second. And we're going to talk about not to give any kind of authority um, to the enemy, okay? This is not the goal. We're not magnifying the devil. This is not the, the point of this. But here Paul actually says this. Be aware of the devil's schemes. Understand how the enemy attempts, keyword, attempts to play tricks in your life to try to get you to be hindered in your calling, okay? So here's the thing. Is that when Paul talks about the day of evil, he is talking about something that is standing in the way as an opposition to your calling. He is referring distinctly to the work of the enemy in our life. Now here's what's a little bit interesting for just a second. Is that when Paul here is writing to the church in Ephesus, he is not writing to Jewish believers or people with a Jewish belief system in their life. He's writing to a hodgepodge of people who would, what the Bible would would call would be barbarians. And all that means is maybe not like Conan the Barbarian. I want you to think about that old movie. I want you to think about people who just did not believe the way Paul believed. They didn't have a Jewish source of belief background. As a matter of fact, the people in Ephesus actually celebrated and worshipped Roman mythology. Specifically, they worshipped a goddess named Diana. And they understood which Roman mythology is a descendant of Greek mythology. And Paul here actually dips into their understanding here to bring out a big point. Because within the understanding of somebody who knew Greek or Roman mythology was the concept that hardships would come in your life. How many of you have ever heard of Hercules? Hercules was part of Greek mythology. And Hercules had 12 12 different obstacles that he faced. This is going to come around. Everybody relax. I'm not here to teach you about Greek and Roman mythology today. But I'm going to pull out a big point here. Is that the people Paul was talking to understood this. And the problem with this is that they thought that the, gods, that the gods brought those hardships on. They thought that they were coming to test them. To see if they were worthy to receive the virtues that the gods wanted to bestow upon them. And so as Paul is speaking to a people with that background, he is quick to remind them and us, and here's what you need to see, is that the opposition that you face in this life does not come from God. The things that contradict your calling do not come from God. God is not testing you. God is not tempting you. God is not trying to test your merit, your worth, your value. No, that has already all been established through Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul contradicts this and says, this is actually coming from the evil one, the enemy. But you can overcome it by understanding both the way he tries to work in your life and also knowing what God has equipped you with to overcome. Does that make sense? See, so Paul is setting the the groundwork here and saying, listen, you need to understand that hardships will come in this life, but they're not coming from God. Things will will cause you to doubt whether or not you're called. will begin to challenge your sense of peace and they'll challenge your sense of future. There's not one person in this room, if I ask how many of you have ever struggled with peace concerning your future, you wouldn't raise your hand. Because we all have. And Paul is speaking to every one of us today, no matter how it comes to you, no matter what it is exactly that is challenging that, and Paul is looking at us, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and saying, no matter what you see, understand that it is not, number one, coming from God. But as a matter of fact, God is so for you and so equipped you to overcome, he's actually giving you a tool to help you overcome. And it's the full armor of God. It's the full armor of God. And so Paul begins to bring this in. And here is what we need. Concerning our future is that we need the belt of truth. The belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? What does this mean? Now, I want to just kind of break this word down and talk about it for just a second. I know this isn't a flashy message, but as the Holy Spirit begins to put this into our heart, there is going to be a truth that we are going to be able to stand on and anchor ourselves to, that is going to secure and protect our future in Jesus Christ. This is what truth means concerning the belt of truth. It is lived out truth in harmony with the truth of God. (laughs) Listen to that again, please. It is lived out truth in harmony with the truth of God. How many of us have ever been stuck in a place of understanding what God says, but we don't see it lived out in our life? Can I tell you that the truth that God gives, the truth that God has given us through Jesus Christ, through the revelation of His Word, that it has the authority to to empower us to live it out. It has the authority to empower us to live it out. And so God is saying here, listen, the belt of truth, one thing that it does Is it gives us the power to live out the truth that we know. It also is protection, protection for the place of our generative power. Now, let me explain this for a second. Now, I want you to imagine me as a soldier, and I want you to to think for a second that I'm beginning to put on my armor, and I believe in my heart, this is my opinion. That there's a batting order, a reason why we see the, the, the full armor of God in the, in the order that we do. And so the belt of truth, the, truth uh, the belt would be put around a soldier's waist and it did several significant things. First, primarily, it held everything together, right? Just like your belt that you have on. Um, maybe or maybe not, maybe your belt's not helping you at all, uh, but, you know, if your belt's helping keep your pants up, thank the Lord, keep it on, use it, all right as often as you wear pants. And so that's one thing a belt would do, is that it was kind of the, the centerpiece, if you would, to tie in the remaining parts of the, of the armor. It actually was something that would go around the tunic, and the tunic would actually be pulled up around the belt, And that was important because a tunic, when you begin to get into battle, if your tunic was long and in the way, it could be used against you. The enemy could grab it, could pull it, could could try to yank it off of you. And so before a soldier would go into battle, they'd take their tunic and wrap it around their belt. But here's another thing that maybe you've never heard about concerning the belt in the full armor or armor for a soldier is that the belt actually, I don't want to be too graphic, but the belt actually protected the reproductive organs within the soldier. It covered this area right here, if you can imagine that. I want you to see this, okay? It covered this area right here. And it protected these organs that were vital, that were vital. Now, there was a breastplate that protected your internal organs, but the belt, the belt protected your reproductive organs, And this was significant to the male soldiers that were going out. I don't need to go any further into this, except to say there is a direct correlation to what truth does to our future. And why Jesus has given us truth to protect our future. Because if the enemy can come in and sow a seed against the truth of our future, he can cut it off. But God says, listen, I want my truth to be around your reproductive force in your life so that it can never be cut out and your future can never be cut out. I want to protect your future through my truth. All right? This truth makes us content because it opposes falsehood. So it enables us to live in the harmony of God. It protects our future and it makes us content. But it also is displayed in a way that does something powerful is that it begins to carry with it an attitude. An attitude. That when we are living in harmony with the truth of the Word of God and we are hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us, we begin to live in a place of contentment. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 2.13. This may not be up here, but I want you to listen to this. Please, just listen to what the scripture says. It says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as human word, but what it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in those who believe. Here is what how the truth begins to work inside of us is it begins to do what it has been created to do, to be reproductive inside of us. When you hear the word of God, when you hear the truth of the word of God, it begins to be established in your spirit and it begins to take life inside of you and reproduce hope and future inside of you. It is not just mere human words. That's why you need to be in the word. That's why you need to be in the Word. And I want to do something here is I want to show you something in Matthew 4 at Jesus, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. If you'll just bear with me for a second because I believe the enemy was attacking Jesus' truth. All right, now here we go. This is a fun little tool we brought in. I feel, this is Jesus, by the way. Jesus has got a big head. Only because I drew it that way. I'm sorry. How many times was Jesus um, tempted in the wilderness? In the 40 days of prayer and fasting, Matthew chapter 4, the Bible tells us that Jesus, nuttiest, nuttiest scripture I think I've ever read, the Bible says Jesus was actually led. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Woo! That's important, though. We learned last week that's important. Why? Because the first Adam fell to the temptation of the enemy. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, went into the wilderness, and he overcame the temptation of the enemy, right? But there's three things that the devil tried to use to attack Jesus, and every one of those things concerned his future. There's no accident that when we read this in Matthew's Gospel, that it falls at the beginning of his ministry. Why? Before Jesus even got into the stride of doing the work of God on the earth, the enemy tried to nix it out from underneath of him by attacking his future. And there's three things that he did. And listen, this is, this is kind of cool. I believe this is really neat. Is that there, every one of us is made up of basically three parts right? We understand this. A lot of us have heard this before, is that we have flesh, right? We have flesh, and we don't like it when our flesh is attacked. We don't like it when we get sick, when we feel under the weather, when we fear for our flesh in the future. Some of us have been attacked in that way. Maybe you've gotten a report you don't like, and you begin to get concerned about your future. Jesus was attacked in his flesh. He was attempted to be attacked in his flesh, now, we all also have a spirit, don't we? And we understand that the spirit is what God communicates to and through. It is the part of us that has been created in the image of God. It is the thing that God speaks to us concerning our calling. Jesus was attacked or attempted to be attacked in his spirit. He was tried. The enemy tried to pull him off of his own identity of his father. That's crazy to think. That the enemy was as audacious as that to try to get Jesus to believe that God was not a sufficient father to him. But listen, if the enemy will try to do that to Jesus, he'll try to do it to you. And then finally, Jesus also had a soul. He was fully God, fully man. And our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. It's the things that we have to filter through to make the decisions in our life. And this is why, again, I don't want to go down this road too long, but we have to be led by the Spirit, and that has to lead us. Why? Because if we're simply led by our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, how many of you have ever gotten flustered this week in your emotions? How many of you have fought any kind of mental warfare in your brain this week with somebody else in your emotions? But Jesus was tempted in His soul too. And so I want to look at each one of these. Because all of these stood where the enemy attempted, attempted to bring in a false truth to cut Jesus' future out by every one of these things, these three different areas. So the first thing we see is this in Matthew 4. Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. And so what does the enemy do? He comes in and he says, hey, hey, Jesus. This is his flesh right here. Boom. He's getting his arm. And he says, Jesus, listen, listen to me. I know you're hungry, so why don't you take and turn these stones to bread, Jesus? Because if you've ever fasted for even two or three days, bread looks really, really, really good. It looks really good. And I'm even imagining that the idea of turning a stone into bread was a good idea. You know, like it felt like it was something good. But here is what happens and what the enemy attempted to do is that he attempted to insert a lie that opposes the physical reality in Jesus' life as an attempt for him to abort his spiritual mission. Jesus was on a mission. He was led, remember? He was led into this place. And so anything short of the assignment that God himself had called Jesus on would have been uh, an abort on his mission. And so when the enemy came in and he attacked his physical flesh, he was trying to get him to sideline this. So what was Jesus' response to the enemy then? He says to him, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is a reference in Deuteronomy 8.3. So the attack on the flesh. Jesus began to overcome through the word And looked back at the enemy and said, listen, you don't understand that I am hungry. And yes, I am in a vulnerable place. Now put this into your own life for just a second. You go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a report. You're vulnerable. You feel weak. Your flesh is being attacked. You have a choice to make because that report may stand in contradiction to something God has spoken you spoken to you about your future and now you're in a crossroads and what do you do do you concede to what you hear or do you concede to the truth of what Jesus says it can be anything it could be a job it could be a relationship it could be something that hits you that is a concern against your physical future and this is what is beautiful about Jesus is that his truth helps us to overcome in every area of our life. And Jesus said what we all need to say and the truth that begins to empower us and protect our future. He looked back at the enemy and said, man will not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And it's as if Jesus looked at him and said, you don't get it. I know who I am. And I know who secures my physical future. And believe me, there will be a day in which I choose to lay down my physical flesh to be crucified. But it is going to be on terms of the mission that I have been called to. And anything that sidelines the mission of God in your life is not what is true. And Jesus looks at him and says, listen, I'm going to anchor myself in the truth of what God has spoken. See, that place gives us an immense amount of peace. It gives us an immense amount of security because when we choose to trust Jesus in the physical areas of our life, with the physical needs of our future, He will never leave us short. He will supply. He will supply. He will supply. Isn't it a wonderful thought to know that you have a Father in God who cares about your physical future, that He cares about your well-being, that He's provided healing because He cares about your physical future, that He has provided resource because He cares about your physical future. He cares about what you're going to eat, what you're going to do, how you're going to live, how you're going to survive. He cares, He cares, He cares. cares. And believe me, with all the grace in my heart, I know that there's some folks here today that have been standing in this place and saying, but when? Pastor, but when. And what I want to just gently give back to you and say, back to you and say, listen, don't lose hold of the truth of what God has spoken about your future. And understand that what keeps you is not what you can secure with your own hands, but what keeps you is what God has promised. And he never, ever leaves us short. All right, the second thing that happened is actually Jesus was, now I'm just going to put this here, his spirit. All right? This is the second temptation in Matthew 4, 5, and 7. It says this, Then the devil took him up to a holy city and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him and and said, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, the enemy knew that the only way, the only attempt that he had to try to get Jesus to abort his spiritual mission was to use the Word of God. Here's Here's something that you need to understand about Matthew 4 and the temptation of Jesus. Out of all three of them, there's only one time, one time, that the enemy uses Scripture to try to trap Jesus. And it's in this second attempt. Because he understood the only way to divert him off of the truth of the identity of his father was try to use the truth against him, manipulated truth against him. And this is probably the shakiest thing that the enemy tries to thrust a lie into our lives to get us to be distracted from the identity of what Jesus is saying. But listen to what Jesus said to him. He said, do not, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, Jesus chose to anchor Himself in complete confidence understanding His identity that He had in the Father. Jesus understood and anchored Himself in the identity that He had with the Father. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is to try to get believers to doubt the goodness of God in their own life to try to get believers to doubt that God is a good father. But there is something so powerful that happens, and we're going to look in just a few minutes how we protect this. There is something so powerful that happens when we choose to anchor ourselves in the truth of the goodness of God. I want you guys to do something with me, for me this week, and along with me this week is I want you, anytime you feel your peace or your future being pushed up against, where you're doubting whether or not you can trust the goodness of the Father, is I want you to rest, and I want you to relax, and I want you to begin to understand that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, and that our Father God is the Good Father. And I want you to say that in your heart. He is the Good Father. He is the Good Father. He is the good father. See, because what the devil was attempting to do with Jesus is to get him to doubt that by thrusting him in a place, in a place of saying, Listen, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. What was the devil telling Jesus here? Why was he attempting to distort truth, the truth that was in the word? Why was he attempting to distort that to get Jesus to do something? Because he was attempting to distort Jesus from understanding, from understanding the goodness of his father. If your Father's so good, he'll pick you up, won't he? The angels will come and they'll secure you. They'll take care of you, won't they? Because of who you are. And Jesus said, listen, I don't have to question and I don't have to test and I don't have to doubt. And this is what I want to tell you guys about this understanding about the goodness of the Father. Whenever your peace and your future is being attacked and your spirit and you're struggling in this area, is that you don't have to continually go back and test God and say, God, are you for me? Do you love me? Are you there for me? You don't have to do that. What you have to do is you have to establish yourself and the truth that he loves you and that he has secured you. and there is nothing Thing that can shake you off of that place. See, because all the enemy wants you to do is to keep bringing you around the mountain to say, I don't think he loves you today. You might want to ask him. You, I don't think that he's there for you. Hey, are you sure? Maybe it was yesterday he was there, but today he's not there. And that is simply a lie, not the way the love of God works for you, not the way the goodness of the Father works for you. I hope you understand that, and I understand that there's folks here that maybe struggle with this, where they waver back and forth and saying, is there something in my life that has separated me from the, the love of the Father? And I want to tell you that it's an impossibility, that if you've come into the revelation of the love of the Father, there's nothing that can separate you out of that place. He's holding you secure and firmly, and there is nothing that will change that ever, ever, ever. And you don't have to test it. There's not a litmus test for it. The litmus test was at the cross, and it was proven, and it was done once and for all. The full wrath of God against humanity was thrust upon Jesus Christ, and it was fully met in that beautiful, wonderful sacrifice, and it was done and secure forever that anybody who puts their trust in Jesus, that love will never fail or fade or go away or be turned against them. Never. 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 Okay. I'm oh, sorry. I apologize for that little bit of energy. Let's go. All right. Let's come on. We're, we're running out of time. We're already at soul. Man. All right. So the last one is this, Matthew 4, 8 and 10. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world in splendor. He said, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will just bow down and worship me. <clears throat> And Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All right, now Jesus used the word. Okay, he used the word. So here the enemy is trying to get him to concede to the difficulty of his mission. This makes sense if we actually fast forward and look at Gethsemane where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is like, Justin, come on up, bud. And he is like, hey, God, if this is okay with you, take this from me. Mission was hard. Mission was hard. Jesus didn't want to be separate from His Father by taking on the sin of humanity upon Himself. He didn't want to have to suffer through the painful crucifixion. The devil didn't understand what was going to take place at the cross, but Jesus did. And there are times in our life where the enemy attempts to lob a lie over us to say, Wouldn't it be just much easier if you didn't? Wouldn't it be much easier if you didn't choose to walk this out, to humble yourself before God, to allow Him to exalt you? Wouldn't it be easier if you just did it yourself, if you figured it out yourself, if you just detoured? Hey, the pressure wouldn't be there if you didn't do this. It's really easy. Just bow down. Just concede. Just concede that the pattern of this world is too big. A lot of people do it. A lot of people cave. Listen, it's all right. Everybody, hey, just, just, just cave. And Jesus stood in that moment and said, listen, there's a decision to be made that are affecting my emotions, my feelings, my decisions, the things that are hitting my soul, my mind. And I understand what God's called me to. He's prepared me. And I I can promise you this, even though the Scripture doesn't say this, I can promise you this in the 40 days. This is a one-day event, Satan and Jesus. But for the other 39 days, Jesus is going through and the Holy Spirit is preparing him, getting him ready, beginning to explain to him what's going to happen. And Jesus knew. He only had three, three and a half years of ministry on the earth. So he knew what he was going to walk through. He knew people were going to hate him. He knew he was going to lay down his life. He understood what was going to happen. And so when the enemy pops up and says, listen, hey, why don't you just forget about this mission? I'm going to give you a whole lot here, and there's a whole lot to gain, and it comes with zero pain. And so why don't I just go with the flow? Why don't I just do the things that everybody else is doing? Because living for Jesus sometimes means that I can't do the things I want to do, and sometimes it costs me a little bit, and sometimes it comes, and and it's, it's hard But Jesus said this, listen, there's not a greater mission than the mission that I've been called to. And if I could just say this to every one of you about Jesus here. Is Jesus is saying, listen, there's only one value that matters. That's going to affect my future. The truth that will affect my future, that will protect my soul. Is that there's nothing like living for Jesus. There's not a greater joy. There's not a greater peace. There's not a greater sense of freedom than living for Jesus. It makes sense that over the Gospels, from time to time, Jesus would look at his disciples and say, hey, this is going to cost you everything, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Let's put this together very quickly. How does the belt of truth work? How does the belt of truth, truth work? How do we apply it to our life? The first thing is this, is that we have a heart for battle. The belt of truth prepares our heart for battle. The belt of truth prepares our heart for battle. Do not be afraid of the fight. Do not be afraid of the obstacles. It's already won. In 1 John three nineteen through 21, this is what the Bible says. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Write this, write this down, please. This is how our hearts are at rest in His presence. This is how our future is secured. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. He knows our future, He knows our yesterday, and He knows our tomorrow. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. God is greater than our hearts. There will be times your hearts are challenged, your future is challenged. God is greater than your hearts. Prepare your heart for battle by anchoring yourself in the Word of God. If your heart is failing, if your heart is struggling with your tomorrow, understand that God is greater than your hearts and He knows everything. He's got your tomorrow already taken care of. He's got your future already taken care of. Do not back out of the fight. Have a heart for battle. Number two, live to win. I apologize for my handwriting. Live to win. Live to win. Live to win. Stay in the truth. Stay in the truth. How do you live to win? You stay in the truth. Protect your identity that comes through the word of God. There's two words in the New Testament anytime the word, is, the word word is used. It's the Greek word logos, which is that which has been written that is true about the nature of Christ. When you get into the Bible and you read the Bible on a regular basis, if it's one verse or three chapters, it doesn't matter. What's speaking to you, what is bringing life to you, what has reproductive force in you is the Logos. It is the revelation of Jesus that has been revealed to us through the Scripture. And you need to be in the Word. What does it mean to have a heart to win? You have to stay in the truth. If you want to win, you've got to resource yourself with the truth. The second word is rhema, that which is spoken or breathed, and that speaks of the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you when that happens here? It happens in places like this. When we come together, when there's a fellowship of the saints and the believers, when you hug one another and you speak words of life, when we all look up at the screen and we sing the same words and we realize that we're not just reading words off of a screen, but we're actually testifying to the truth that's resonating in our hearts, that is rhema. Because it's the Holy Spirit breathing in the truth of it. When we come to the Word of God and we say, listen, it's not about the guy speaking, it's not about the person speaking, but it's the truth. And that's getting in whether it's reading a book or listening to a podcast or being part of a small group and and, and we're not just banging a drum to get people involved in things but we're saying these are places that set you up to win they set you up to win number three surrender to the truth and this is simple this is simple but it's powerful Is this, is that when you know the truth of what Jesus has called you to, when you know the truth of what Jesus has spoken in the Word, when something is stuck to your spirit, then anchor yourself in it. Anchor yourself in it. Here's how you anchor yourself in the truth. Here is how you surrender to the truth of God. There is a right time to confess the truth of God in you. It needs to come out of your mouth. What is in your heart? Listen, listen, please listen. What is in your heart has to come out of your mouth. It has to come out of your mouth. If you read and you believe that you are a child of God, you need to speak it. Out of your mouth. Why? Because when it comes out of your mouth, there is something that is triggered between your spirit and your soul that allows you to anchor in the truth of something that you cannot be moved by. You are putting down stakes. And when you are able to anchor yourself in the truth, you are able to move in the truth. You're able to move in the truth. And the whole goal with the belt of truth that we see here in the full armor of God is to protect our future. And when the enemy is trying to come against your future and you are anchoring yourself in the Word of God, it is for one purpose, that that which is in your spirit will come out of your life and begin to move you in the direction to what you've been called to. And then finally, abound, In love. Abound in love. Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay in a place of love. Stay in a place of love. Keep your hearts filled with the knowledge of the love of Jesus. There's something very powerful that takes place as we saturate ourselves in the love of God concerning the truth of God in us. As we begin to saturate ourselves in this, as we begin to do that, it gives us the ability to discern what is true about our future. Well, how does that make sense, Pastor? See, because there's a confidence that God pulls us in concerning His love that enables us, it enables us to know when He's speaking, to know what He's saying, and how He's moving us. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for what you have given us in the way of our calling, God. Father, thank you that you're, you've called this house, God. Now, Father, I just want to pray for every person here concerning their future. Lord, I know that the enemy has knocked and attempted to distort and hinder future off of folks here in this room. But Jesus, I am asking you right now that the truth of who you are, the truth of your love, the truth, the belt of truth that secures our future to come and begin to give hope and begin to give life. This morning if you're here and you've struggled in the way of anxiety concerning your future that the enemy has attempted to set against you fear and anxiety against your future here's what I want you to do is I want you to come in agreement with me right now because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to break that right now If that's you I want to make a declaration over you in the name of Jesus because of the truth of what Jesus you have secured through the cross through the resurrection The revelation of the love of the Father. Every bit of anxiety is broken. Every bit of fear concerning future is broken. Everything that stands in the way of the truth of a calling is broken in the name of Jesus. Now Holy Spirit, begin to anchor, Lord, Your sons and daughters in the revelation of the goodness of the Father. Surround them in the truth of the Word of God that protects their future and their hope in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.